Hello and welcome to So You Think You Can Fanon. Please check the link tree in the description and see all of our beautiful, lovely, salacious links to listen to more. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. I'm your teacher today, Mr. Chudley. Oh my god, Mr. Mr. Chudley. Chudley. Oh my god. Now, I hope everyone finished their, their summer homework. Um, because it's time to cover... The, we had the, some homework. Of course you had summer homework. I gave you uh, a required reading before you started this class. Oh, fuck. It's called the All Guardsmen Party, a 40k Dark Heresy game. Oh, fuck. Hopefully my star student, Sergio, did the homework, unlike um, this miscreant, Matt, here. Oh, fuck. Did you do oh, the summer yes. homework, sir? Uh, I I did. I did my uh my report on uh, the Tyranid acquisition experts chapter. I'm proud of you. Good job. It's beautiful. I don't even need to read it. No, you can. I'm like this fucking guy over here. I can't read. Yeah, I know. I've read how you write. Oh. So yeah, that's what we're doing. That's the joke. That's all we ever fucking do on this podcast, it feels like. Yeah, it seems to be. I say that as if we've done it in the last, like, six months. Mm. Alright, who's starting us off? Well, we gotta cover what we're we're reading, specifically. Oh my god, you're right. What chapter is that? uh, Interlude. The warp interlude. You mean we're not doing a whole? We're not doing a whole chapter. I mean, compared to a normal novel, this would be a full chapter. I mean, that's yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Interlude, the warp. It's a shorter one. This will be a shorter episode, but it'll be fun. I'm sure. Oh, All those crackheads out there who love this stuff, those all guardsmen party junkies. So. Uh, I'm I I'm I'm gonna have to give the bad news to you guys that this chapter does not have a no shit. There we were. What? They they do not say anything. You can't just say that to me and expect me to be okay with it. What's your fucking problem, man? Sorry, I just thought I you think know. this hurts. We should read in the classic order of me or of Sergio and then Matt and then me. Sounds good. All right. <clears throat> the Adventures of the All Guardsmen Party. Doc was in his element. Well, actually, he was in the occurrence borders med bay and up to his elbows in the guts of a very unhappy armsman. But same difference. All around him, people were shouting, screaming, and generally running around in a blind panic. But he was the calmest little center of the universe. Doc hummed to himself as he dug about, and then let out a shout of triumph as he finally found the foreign object. It looked to be a large metal rivet, and still tingled with the traces of the burst of warp energy which had propelled it. He neatly tossed it into a prayer-sealed covered bin, marked Tainted and began closing everything back up. As Doc moved on to his next patient, he was allowed a moment of pride. Despite his complete lack of official medical... If I were a lesser man, which I'm not, I would be laughing so hard at Taint. Taint? But I'm not. Luckily for you. I'm also not getting the bug that I had where I was laughing so much at that one paragraph <coughs> because they kept saying slightly suggestive things. Uh-huh. <laughs> Carry on. My Despite his complete lack of official medical education, he liked to think that he was a master when it came to meatball surgery. He shot a glance across the room towards where the chief medical officer, Sister Valerie of the Ordos Hospitaller, was dealing with the non-trivial patients. Their eyes met for a second, and Doc smiled as he looked back down to expect his new patient's severed arm. Then a painful, shrill screech arose from one of the waste bins. The light and gravity both cut out, and a medical cogitator in the back of the medbay began frantically beeping. 
Doc automatically turned his shoulder tack light on, snatched the now floating severed arm out of the air, instructed his patient to keep a hand on it, and drew his sidearm. The minor daemon that Cloud clawed out of the medical waste bin, already weakened by the prayer seals, was dispatched with a single volley from Doc's Laz pistol. That minor annoyance dealt with, he disengaged his mag boots and launched himself towards the back of the med bay. Like Among Us. Oh my god! Oh my god! It's like Among like, Us! Carry on, cock. Cock? Yeah. Carry on, cock. Okay. <clears throat> Sergeant Gravis of the Emperor's Scythe Space Marines, or more specifically the upper half of Sergeant Gravis, twitched as the tyrannid bioweapon in his veins made another spirited attempt to kill him. The medical cogitator hooked to him requested several types of antidote, which Doc quickly administered. We're down to our last vial of hydroxycobalamin, and he's having nightmares again, reported Doc. Sister Valerie didn't look up from her patient as she responded. The warp's a bad place to be comatose, especially this far from the light of the Emperor. And the way that unholy Xenos abomination is tearing apart the ship doesn't help. He's not the only one who will die if we don't return to normal space soon either. I swear, honey. Ma'am. Ma'am. Sarge said we'll be reaching the way station today. Then we can request all the aid and supplies we need. Just a little longer and it'll all be over. As Doc finished stabilizing the space marine and made his way back to the table he'd been working at, Medbay's lights reactivated, and a second later, this was stopped by a clattering crash as the various small items that had been floating through the air dropped back to the floor in a meaty thump as Doc's neglected patient was slapped by his own severed arm. Sister Valerie watched for a second as Doc hastily apologized to the maimed crewman and scrambled under the table for the dropped limb. In a voice too quiet for even her nurses to hear, she muttered, Emperor, why'd he have to be an optimist? The all-guardsmen party interlude and de-warp. Amelia Delarista Armen Armenita Trigastrata Zeldana Malafe von Humpting was on the hunt. The creature that had been haunting the aft-tainted areas and attacking unwary crewmen and servitors that eluded them for days. But now she had it. Amy readied her pulse rifle as her, her bait slowly advanced into the disused cargo bay and her spotter scanned the area. It was a perfect example of the classic monster hunter tech, the monster hunting technique or it would have been if the bait stopped whining. I don't see what I got to be the bait, winched Nubby. I think it's discrap or uh, distra unfair i think it's unfair amy didn't respond but her goggle clad spotter suggested that it wasn't discrimination nubby just needed to stop picking rock every time nubby's complaints rose in volume as he began arguing with fumbles over the rules of the game of a game older than the imperium of man it's not right if throw uh, how vapor beach rock wrapping around it where's dissension all that still a rock ain't it just with paper and stuff things got even louder when twitch calmed in and began explaining if the game was actually a metaphor for the relationship between the ecclesiarchy administratum and mechanicus eventually the argument was cut short as amy lost her patience a few inventive inventive and highly personal death threats later the team fell back into silence and nubby got on with it oh woe is me i'm a poor and fenceless human what is lost in way in this here big and spooky cargo bay I sure hope there's not some of the tentacled warp monstrosity lurking down here waiting to eat me. Fumbles peered into a dark corner of the bay as Nubby monologued. He could sense a malevolent, 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 malevolent presence that just barely qualified as a mind moving closer and pointed out to Amy. The markswoman sighted her rifle on the corner and waited for the creature to make its move. Still not sure what it is, Fumbles? The psyker sheepishly shook his head. Sheepishly shook his head. That's a tongue twister. Say that ten times fast. Uh, how about you continue playing Amy and I'll be Fumbles? Um, sure. Well, at least it can't be that smart if it's falling for this. Jam Amy, Amy, 
I don't know if you want me to read that part or if you want to read that part. You can uh, since it's my part. box, I'll be the narrator. Okay. Amy gestured towards the soliloquizing bait. Though I gotta say, his performance is better than usual. The wig and the dress are a nice touch. Fumbles nodded in agreement. Well, he says they let, they help him get into character. It really says something that I don't find this conversation even remotely weird. Fumbles just shrugged as there was a brief silence as Amy shifted mental gears. You know, my life was really quite boring before I joined the Inquisition. Mother let me never let me up on the lines where there was something really interesting to shoot. Amy felt a pang of longing that definitely didn't originate from her. Sounds nice. I wish I had parents, muttered the psyker. Amy glanced up from her scope. You can be really fucking depressing, you know. Sorry. Whatever. You got any idea why this thing isn't coming out? Does it know we're here? Fumbles pondered the question before answering, no, I think it's waiting. Waiting for what? Amy was interrupted by a sudden pain in her head, a panic scream for Fumbles and the sudden absence of both light and gravity. In the completely dark cargo bay, Nubby's well-honed survival instincts kicked into overdrive as first one, then two, then a dozen chittering screeches rose around him before Amy had even reoriented herself the bee-dressed little trooper, screaming shrilly and propelled by the recoil of his pulse carbine, shot past her and slammed into Fumbles. Nubby dragged the semi-conscious fumbles with him, started bouncing down the hall, the corridor with all the speed provided by his augmented legs, leaving Amy struggling to catch up. As she flew, Amy shined her rifle's tack light back towards the cargo bay and saw the forms crawling along the floor, walls and ceiling. She started firing her rifle just for the little bit of extra speed and screamed, Plan B! Into her comm bead. At the far end of the corridor, Twitch smiled. When ship's lights reactivated a few minutes later, they revealed a shrapnel pocked corridor filled with a disgusting cloud of limbs and juices. Twitch reopened the door the four of them had sheltered behind and surveyed the damage. As Amy drifted over to join him at the doorway, Twitch felt something shift and flung himself behind the markswoman. A second later, the gory mess hanging in the corridor dropped out of the air with a horrible splash. Amy sputtered and swore, and Nubby laughed, and Twitch peeked around his human shield. Sure that the coast was clear, the demolition's trooper crept forward. He poked at the horrible slurry, carefully pulled a large chunk out of the mess, and then started giggling. Nubby took a break from the checking fumble's health using the tried-and-true guard technique of gently kicking him in the ribs while muttering, Oh, you's okay? to ask Twitch what was so funny. Twitch turned a manic smile on Nubby. These weren't demons! I swear. I swear. You, oh, go ahead. Do we, do we just want to assign roles? It seems like something we should assign roles to at this point. Perhaps, if there's going to be a lot more dialogue, which it seems like I'll there be, probably I'll will be. I'll be Nubby, yes. since I did him earlier, and then I'll do Amy, since I did her earlier. Okay. Did her earlier. Uh, 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 uh. I swear, if you try to tell us this were orcs, I will cram your little delusional head up your ass. Twitch bristled at this. I don't always say it's orcs. Yeah, you do. But I'm, I'm not saying it's orcs this time. Amy picked up an especially large chunk off her armor. Good, because if you just covered me with orc guts again, I'll have to kill you. Oh, oh, I know. That's a different decide. I thought Fumble established that these were demons. Ain't that right, buddy? Nubby's metal foot prodded fumbles again, eliciting a pained groan. He says yes. To which responded by yanking Nubby away from the suffering psyker and shoving the limb he'd acquired into the trooper's face. Nubby went cross-eyed as he stared at the razor-sharp limb, then swore. Amy came over and swore too. After a brief silence, Twitch spoke up. Uh, we got a call, Sarge. He's not gonna like this. Not it! Not it! Echoed Twitch. Blarf. Added Fumbles. Amy just glared at them and keyed Sarge's channel. Alright, Jacob. Deep inside the space-faring pile of scrap known as the Occurrence Border, there is a circular room filled with arcane machinery. In the middle of this room is a 
bubble of blue light, which contains a large xenos that resembles a cross between a snake and a nightmarish fetus. The xenos is a type of potent hyranid psyker known as a zoanthrope, which was captured in a daring space marine-assisted raid. It is now being transported to an inquisitorial laboratory for study. The imprisoned zoanthrope is being held completely still by a stasis, stasis field, but its sheer psychic presence distorts the world around it and acts as a beacon to the denizens of the warp. The clutched together psyker containment aura is straining to shred the Xenos' presence from the demons surrounding the ship and limit the power of the creature's mind. Every single subsystem on the ragged edge of is on the ragged edge of failing. Sp- some are sparking, others are smoking, and the stasis unit itself is emitting an ominous hum that steadily rises in pitch. Two men, one in a filthy guard uniform and the other sporting the robe and augmentics of the Adeptus Mechanicus and a Tau of the Earthcast variety, are running around in a constant effort to repair the containment area's failing systems. A third man, whose uniform and bearing scream NCO, is standing directly in front of the Zoanthrope and holding what ha- what appears to be a piece of hull plating like an oversized shield. The shield bearer is interrogator Greg Sargent, and he is not having a good day. Greg. Sarge tightened his grip on the massive shield as the stasis unit's humming reached a painfully high pitch, then went out of the range of human hearing. After a few tenth seconds, there was a deferring... Uh, a deafening clang, and the blue field around the zoanthrope disappeared. It was immediately replaced with a corona of green electricity, which gathered in front of the Xenos as it turned to face the frantically working Theo. With a scream of effort, Sarge hefted the shield and sprinted across the room, barely managing to intercept the lightning bolt in time. Without a second of hesitation, the zoanthrope began gathering another bolt of electricity and twisted around to face the opposite side of the room. Sarge lifted his smoking shield for another sprint, but let it drop back down to the floor as the stasis field snapped back into existence. Behind him, the squat Tau scientist complained that Sarge was standing in his light. The Sarge of sound grumbling about the ungrateful little Xeno bastard. Tink looked up from the mess of wires he was digging through. I'll do Tink. Huh? Oh, nice catch, boss. We'd all be dead without you. Truly, you're a master of standing in front of things. Now, since you ju- you're just standing there, can you grab me another handful of triplex connectors? Next flicker should be in three minutes. You got time. Sarge glared at the techie, set down his shield, and headed off to get the requested parts. In the far side of the room, Chief Engineer Jim leaned out from behind the glowing blue pylon and angrily waved a mechandrite. Damn it, Pink! No more triplex connectors. They angered the machine spirits. Stick to duplex. Tink scoffed. Machine spirit, my ass. They work fine. Come on, Theo, back me up on this. The tower responded, looking up from his work. There's no scientific mm, reason. No... Tri- oh, good. Triplex connectors shouldn't work. They are completely compatible with duplex systems and are, in fact, rated to a much higher capacity. See? Jim returned to his work with a few mutters about his poor abused machines, and Sarge delivered the controversial parts. As Sarge hefted his massive shield and got into position, the stasis unit began making its ominous humming again, and Tink rushed to finish his repairs with a shout of triumph. He reconnected the final component, slammed the panel shut, and ran over to one of the control panels lining the room. The mental pressure everyone in the room had been feeling quickly decreased. Sarge let out a sigh of relief. Tink cheered again, and Theo asked if anyone else could smell smoke. A second later, the panel Tink had just shut was flung across the room by a small explosion, and the mental pressure returned with painful intensity. From behind his pylon, Jim shouted, I told you they don't like triplex. All the three techies ran around in a panic. Sarge stood still and watched the stasis unit. He looked down at his shield, up at the green aura that was gathering around the zoanthrope, despite the temporarily functional stasis field, back down at the shield, and reached a decision. Silently counting to himself, Sarge raised the massive slab of metal over his head. Sarge didn't wait for the zoanthrope to make the first move, as the stasis field cut out. He flung the heavy shield with all his beefy non-com strength and dove for cover. There was a <laughs> with a crackling bang and boom. For a split second, the room was lit 
by a blinding green light, and then everything went dark. Sarge hung in the air at the apex of his jump and blinked in the pitch darkness. He wondered if he'd finally gotten himself killed, and whether the afterlife truly involved fighting by the Emperor's side, or if Twitch was right about the poker room. Then he crashed into the ceiling, and the ringing in his ears faded into Jim, screaming at Tink about how he'd caused a shipwide powder outage with his damned triplex connectors. Since he was apparently still alive, Sarge decided it was a good idea to stay that way and turn on his tack light. He tried to twist around and face his own throat, but this turned out to be rather difficult since the stasis unit was now empty. After a brief period of panic, Sarge realized that the green lack of green lightning bolts meant that the Xenos wasn't currently up for a fight and began carefully scanning the room. Remembering the meaty thunk he'd heard after throwing the shield, Sarge aimed his light at the far side of the room. It re- revealed a horrible form made of chitin and metal hanging in the entrance of the debris-clogged cell. A closer look revealed it to be the Zoanthrope, except with a par- <clears throat> partially melted shield wrapped around its head. Sarge floated over and scientifically poked it with his gun, took its feeble twitching as a good, side, good sign, and began hefting the Xenos out of the cell and back towards the Stasis unit. While Sarge was wrangle, while the Sarge wrangled the Zoanthrope back into place, Tim, Tim. Tank, Jim, and Theo climbed around the incredibly deep hole that occupied Sarge's former position from the very bottom. Theo could be heard complaining that whoever had installed the wiring in the section had not been a SEP-certified electrician. Jim, who was patching cable slightly higher up, suggested that the person had probably been either drunk or insane or both. At the top of the hole, Tank reconnected a group of wires with a few duplex connectors and nearly wet himself when the tangled mess started sparking and the room's comm terminal chimed. At the sight of this familiar contact code on the screen, Tink launched himself out of the hole and flew over to the terminal, ran a hand through his filthy hair, straightened his goggles, and also casually answered the incoming call. Hey, Hannah, what's up, baby? Sarge heard the enraged screeching from across the room, but couldn't make out any words besides stupid and insane. Tink continued undeterred. Why would you assume I had anything to do with this? Is it because you're always thinking about me? This time, the screeching was accompanied by a short arc of electricity. Cursing and clutching his burned ear, Tink floated away from the terminal, then crashed to the ground next to the hole as gravity and light returned to the cells. After a feeble attempt to climb to his feet, the techie gave up, leaned over the side of the hole, and groaned. Hey, Jim, your sexier counterpart is being all bitchy. You can talk to her. While Jim climbed out of the hole and began giving a damage report to Hannah, Sarge pushed the Zoanthrope back into the network of grav plates above the stasis unit. Once he was now certain the metal-faced Xenos wasn't going anywhere, Sarge dragged Tink up off the floor and over to the non-functional stasis unit. A few kicks and death threats convinced the techie that getting the stasis field back up was more important than eavesdropping on Jim's conversation. The two guardsmen got to work. Right as the last fixes were being made, Sarge's combi came to life at the sound of Doc's slightly panicked voice. Hey, Sarge. The captain's been trying to reach you over the ship's comms. He says we're here. With a rare smile, Sarge relayed the good news to the comm beadless tank, who practically collapsed with the relief and leaned towards Sarge's headset. Oh, thank the Emperor. Tell Doc, tell him we'll be ready in five minutes. On the far side of the comm bead, Doc's voice grew a little panicked. Uh, um, I don't think you've got five minutes. I think it means we're there there, as in we're de-warping right now. Sarge winced as Tink ripped the combeat off his head and began screaming into it. What happened to our warning, Doc? I was promised a 15-minute warning! How should I know? Responded I'm just passing the word along. All I know is the captain said your room's calm is busy and asked me to try to reach you. That's totally not my fault. Tink shot a glare towards the room's comm terminal, where Jim was chattering about catastrophic system damage with Hannah, and then turned his attention to the comm bead. Why didn't he just call us like you did? Doc's tone shifted from panicked to annoyed. Maybe because you helped Twitch encrypt all of her comm beads day before yesterday. That was just just to keep the Cogboys from spying on us. He said he'd share the code with everyone who needed it. There was a brief pause as Doc digested this, and then the medic exploded. 
You thought he'd share the code? This is Twitch we're talking about, you idiot. Of course you didn't share it with anyone. Tink began putting together a suitably scathing response, but was interrupted as Sarge wrenched the combi back and spun him around to face the psi suppressors. Am I officially uh, Sarge or are you officially Sarge you, or Sergio officially Sarge? You can be Sarge. Talking time over. Fixing time now. Move it, trooper! Once he was sure Tink was back on task, Sarge turns his attention to Jim. Using his refined oratory and leadership skills, he convinced the tech priest that repairing the cell's various delicate systems before the stress of de-warping blew them into shrapnel took priority over helping Hannah with the ship's power problems. Which is to say, Sarge reached over Jim's shoulder and terminated his call, then picked the hapless engineer up by his crimson robes and flung him towards Tink with a shout of, FIX THE STUFF BEFORE IT EXPLODES! As two techies scrambled and Theo asked what was going on and if anyone could help him out of the hole, Sarge entered the bridge's contact code onto the comm terminal. Unfortunately, his plan to yell at the captain for attempting to get them all killed ran into problems when the ex-Navy officer answered the call with a bell of, Why is my navigator unconscious, Sarge? Back in the after the ship, Amy's combi nearly deafened her as it finally connected to Sarge's. After a few attempts to make herself heard over her boss's shouting match, she removed the earpiece and turned to her companions. I think he's busy. Apparently, we're all about to die. Nubby, seated on Fumble's curled upon form, paused in rummaging through a medkit that appeared to be filled with nothing but low sticks and suspiciously unlabeled bags of pills. Huh. Nate. Anyone want to smoke? Behind him, Twitch reacted with a little a little more strongly, leaping to his feet with his rifle in one hand and grasping for some, something inside his jacket with the other. I knew it. Have we been boy? Who's who's going into the fence? Did I blow up plasma reactor before it? His tirade was cut off as Nubby yanked the detonator out of his hand and began dancing backwards down the hall with it. Amy listened a little longer and then called after the pair. Sergio, do you want to take over Amy since I'm two characters yeah. in this and Fumble was dead? No borders, but he's arguing with the captain about whether to stay the war stay in the warp and risk the navigator getting possessed or de-warp and potentially blow up the cells. Nobody pause for a second. Speaking of someone who's nowhere near the cells, I vote for that one. Twitch seized on Nubby's distraction and made for another grab of the detonator, but Nubby managed to spin away and crammed it down between the two wads of dirty socks holding up the front of his dress. This did not deter Twitch even slightly. Amy gagged a little, and Fumbles laughed weakly as Twitch tackled Nubby to the ground and began rooting around the, for the detonator. Hold on, I'm going to mute all my dog's bark. As Twitch finally found his prize and withdrew it, along with a handful of crusty socks, a deep vibration came up through the floor, and the Vox system began blaring the completely incomprehensible automated de-warping warning. Amy raised her comm bead back to her ear, Twitch and Numby both cheered, Fumbles began whimpering again, and back in the gore-filled hallway, something moved. Tink and Jim worked feverishly. In the background, the automated... D-Warp warning instructed all hands to hold still and pray to the Emperor and 36 different variations of Gothic, not to mention Jantine Battle Cant, and what the resident We're good. Z- xenologist insisted was HRUD. <clears throat> Until Sarge used his carbine to deactivate the nearest speaker. The noise of the D-Warp warning was replaced by the pops of overloading psi suppressors, Theo's demands to be told what was happening, and the sound of Sarge yelling at the captain to slow down. Inside the inactive stasis unit, unnoticed by everyone, the zoanthrope began twitching. Doc threw himself across the med bay as Sergeant Gravis went into double cardiac arrest. While (laughs) while he struggled to fight the increasingly active-tierated bioweapon, the deep vibration of the ship's warp drive grew stronger and stronger. Amy, Twitch, and Nubby all flinched as a sensation similar to fiberglass being rubbed on exposed nerves shot through their heads and automatically turned to face fumbles. Amy got as far as the fuck is wrong with you now before she noticed that the the way the gore in the corridor had begun to bubble and froth with remarkable coordination the three troopers seized fumbles and started retreating down the now wildly shaking corridor then right as they reached the next door turned back to see what they were running from the vibration stopped with a colossal uh, a colossal tooth rattling clang Twitch swore, Nubby screamed, Fumbles started twitching madly, and Amy looked around in confusion. She got as far as, what the fuck, before all the gore, including the portion soaking her armor, suddenly ran together and reformed into familiar, 
insectoid shapes and a sort of reverse explosion. All three troopers immediately opened fire. As the clang reverberated through the medbay, Doc went pale. Sister Valerie met his gaze from across the room and began to ask, What the f***? But her question was interrupted as the ragged edge of Gravis's torso inexplicably burst into green and black flames. Sister Valerie abandoned her current patient and sprinted towards Gravis as Doc screamed, This is not a poison! This is a And grabbed a fire extinguisher off the wall. As echoes of the clang died away, Dink leaned out of the cover he had jumped into when the psi suppressor he'd been working on exploded. What? Fuck! What's that? Asked the shaken techie. Jim didn't respond, being rather busy, rocking back and forth and whimpering to himself, and Theo, Theo rather crossly asked how someone stuck in a hole was supposed to know anything about what the hell was going on. Sarge raised his carbine with a mutter of, Oh, no, this shit again. And began scanning the room. Behind him, the comm terminal chimed as another person joined the call, and the husky old voice of old Bill temporarily overrode the captain's demands for information. Hey, guys, are you busy screaming at each other, but we've got something big, psychic, holding us in the wall. Neither of you seen any major demons running around? Is this just your damned bug again, Sarge? Sarge focused on the twitching zoanthrope and took a step forward. I think it might be the... Xenosyker snapped its metal-covered face towards him, surrounded itself with a halo of green and black electricity, and a tide of insects began pouring out of every crack in the room. Definitely the bug! shouted Sarge. Sarge dropped his carbine onto his sling and sprinted for the stasis unit, crushing insects under his boots as he ran. For a second, the form, the room around him seemed to stretch and warp, but it stopped as Jim snapped out of his funk and plunged his mechandrites into one of the psi suppressors. Several bolts of green and black electricity grounded on Sarge as he finally neared the stasis unit, but he ignored them and triumphantly flipped the big switch to on. Nothing happened. Sarge frantically flipped the switch up and down and screamed. Oh, sorry about that. Triumphantly screamed. I thought we fixed this! Tim slammed into the unit next to him, slapped his hand away, and then set the switch to on and responded with forced calm. Had to replace the capacitors to fix the flicker. They just need to ch- (laughs) Tink's calm tone evaporated as 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 he began slapping at the insects that had just crawled up his pant legs. Sarge sprang to help, and then noticed the way the insects were flowing towards the open open maintenance panel on the stasis unit. He immediately began employing his big stompy boots in an effort to stem the time, screaming at at Tink as he did so. Why didn't we turn it back on after we fixed it? Because we're idiots, Sarge, responded the techie as his frantic dancing finally dislodged the last bug, and he joined Sarge in stomping the onrushing swarm. Even with two sets of boots, it was obviously a losing battle, but being guardsmen, neither of them commented on this. They continued in their desperate effort to hold the line as the tide surrounded them and began climbing both of their legs and the stasis unit. Across the room, Jim noticed their predicament, and in a fit of genius, scrambled over to Theo's hole. He very, very calmly asked Tao to redirect extra power from the damaged suppressors to the stasis unit. There was a flash of blue light behind Sergeant Tank, and both of them collapsed as the universe twisted in what felt like a million barbed legs ripped across their minds. For the second time that day, Sarge wondered if he'd ever been killed. But as the empty ringing in his head wasn't replaced by what felt like the universe worst hangover, he decided that he was probably still alive. He just wished he wasn't. Moving with the extreme care of someone with a near-terminal headache, Sarge sat up and looked around the cells. Surprisingly, things were looked more or less stable. The bugs were gone, though his legs felt like they'd been worked over with a wire brush and a certain feeling in his gut told him the occurrence border had finally exited the warp. It seemed that without the strain of traveling through the hellish realm, the few still functional psi suppressors were holding up fine. Well, as far as he could tell, they were fine. At least none of them were on fire and whatever Tink had done to the stasis unit had fixed that damn flicker. Sarge eyed the stationary zoanthrope in its creepy new metal covered face, then flipped it off and turned his attention to his team. Tink was curled up nearby, clutching at his head and alternating between crying uh, crying and sweating. Jim was already back on his feet and doing tech priest things, and Theo had finally hauled himself out of the, the hole in the floor. The annoying little Xenos looked rather confused about what he had happened, but 
had just enough self-preservation instinct to go help help Jim instead of bothering Sarge or Tink with questions. Sarge decided that the situation was stable enough for the time being and carefully lowered himself back down to the floor, only to be jerked back upright as something drove a hot red poker into his head via his ear. He frantically reduced the volume on his combi until the voice coming through it changed from a horrible demonic screeching made a pure agony to Doc's rather worried tone. You alive, Sarge? Sarge. Sarge flinched as Amy's considerably louder voice joined the conversation. What the hell happened down there? Tank broke something, muttered Sarge with a half-hearted glare at the prone techie. Tink stopped moaning about his head and dug through his gear pouches for his own combeed, whining to himself as he searched. It's not my fault, stupid machine spirits being little bitches. No bloody scientific reason. Sarge returned his attention to his combeed and summed up as much professionalism as he could possibly manage. Everyone still alive. Report. I'm fine, and Gravis is still alive, if a little crispy around the edges. Mm. Amy spoke next. We're all okay, but the thing hunting people in the aft-tainted area turned out to be a swarm of gaunts. Sarge winced. Oh, shit. Amy began to continue, but Twitch's voice, which sounded dangerously excited to Sarge's experience here, overrode her. I was ready for that, though, and we blew him into junky salsa, except... There was a brief scuffle in the background as Amy explained to Twitch that interrupting was very rude, and after a few seconds, Nubby awkwardly cleared his throat and continued the story. Shift after that, all the bits and stuff started running together, and they go back up. Oh, shit. Amy's voice returned. But then we de-warped, and they all sort of evaporated. Just poof, gone, blood, guts, and everything. So we figure... Once again, Twitch interrupted, that the Neds have formed an alliance with chaos. Unstoppable tide of demon Neds will sweep across the sector. <laughs> Sarge sighed and rubbed his face as Tink and Nubby both snickered. We figure it was some sort of warp thingy, so um, I guess everything is fine. I mean, Fumbles is unconscious again, but otherwise everything is fine. Finished Amy, sounding rather annoyed over how her story had been spoiled. Sarge ran through the whole disjointed report in his head. After a little pondering, he held up his hand and began ticking off his fingers. Mm, okay. I guess we de-warp just in time to avoid that problem, so that's sorted. And it looks like the anti-psycho stuff is holding up fine now that we're right out of the war. And Gravis is still mostly alive, right? Right. Mostly. Uh. Mm. Can... Firm doc. Sorry, I forgot. You, you read for so long that I forgot that it was my paragraph. Serge looked down and closed his hand in surprise, ran through the list again in his head, and shrugged to himself. Uh, so, um, I guess we made it. I mean, here we are at Way Station, whatever. All that's left is to requisition a few parts, grab us off with the local Medicaid, get a new astropath, and call the size. Then we spend a few leisurely weeks getting everything fixed up and take a nice. Safe route back to wherever Oak's lab is. He paused for a second, not quite believing what he was saying, then continued. Yeah, we win. Good job, people. There were a few seconds of shock disbelief. Then Sarge ripped off his combi as it exploded with cheers. When the volume finally returned to a safe level, he put it just back, just back on just in time to catch Doc say, You know, that trip went a lot easier than I expected. Oh, shut up. You've been hiding in the med bay and sleeping in a nice warm bed every night. Responded Tank in his most petulant tone. I can't remember the last time I got sleep for more than ten minutes. Doc continued undeterred. Okay, yeah, it was a bad week for some of us. I'll admit that. But it wasn't what I'd call hellish. And hellish is sort of the standard for our missions. I mean, when you look at it in comparison to some of our other assignments, this went amazingly well. This was met with a thoughtful silence, which then slowly congealed as the squad followed the observation out of its logical conclusion. Eventually, Twitch broke the uncomfortable si silence. Oh, we are so screwed. This one's gonna be really, really bad. What's gonna be bad? Asked Amy, revealing her inexperience. Everything. What? 
it's like the third law of conservation of the thingy. You know, like, for everything that happens, there's, like, a completely disproportionate reaction. Sarge sighed and translated the translation. If your attack is going really well, it's an ambush. Wait, wait, are you guys seriously suggesting that nothing can possibly go right? That anything good that happens to us is a setup for something especially horrible? Yeah. Yep. That's right. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. It's been so scientifically, scientifically proven. proven. <laughs> Responded the rest of the squad in unison. So what? There's like some all-powerful cosmic entity conspiring to make our lives as dangerous and miserable as possible for its own sick amusement? Something like that. Or just, you know, the universe itself. I think it's the orcs. Muttered Twitch. Amy ran the last few months through her mind. That's, um... That all adds up. Well, not the orc part. That's just stupid, but it makes sense. She paused and applied this theory to the current situation. Yeah, now that we finally reached it, I can totally see this way station being full of... of... Chaos worshipping psychic mutants. Uh, you know, just waiting to capture hapless visitors and overwrite their minds with copies of the cult leaders. More orcs. More orcs. Disguised as chaos worshipping... Twitch was interrupted as Sarge, recognizing an unproductive line of thought, cleared his throat and rather wearily addressed his troops. Paranoia aside, we're just here for a nice, simple supply run. Everyone put together your shopping lists and grab some rest while the captain takes care of docking and let's... Please, just try to get through this thing of blowing up the station or being arrested or assaulting someone or committing tech heresy or whatever it is you do to screw everything up, Doc. That's the end. Yes, that's it. That's it. Quite a fun one, I shall say. Yeah. Maybe mostly because it was short. Yes. Yes, it was. I want to give a hats off to the the writer, uh, which I believe his online handle is Shaggy is not dead for the excellent descriptions in this. I really felt the uh fiberglass on uh open nerve uh descriptor mm -hmm. that like made yes. me cringe a little yeah. I agree. So was this one like a whole lot, like a straight up fan fiction or was it like a, was this just like a short session that they did? Cause you know, it's a, it's a campaign. This, but this feels like either like a short session or like either like a short session or like an in between, like, like they just finished doing Tyranid acquisition experts and they had this little bit to set up what was going to happen on the next session. Yeah. Yeah. But that's feels about right. Yeah. And then he probably just like this dialogue was probably just like an approximation of what happened during it. Yeah, that would make sense to me. Mm -hmm. Unless they have like a like a court like 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 the, the, the lady in, in the court with her typewriter that types everything down. They just have that transcribing the whole like campaign and everything <laughs> that happens. On a it. stenographer. Yes. Yes, the stenographer. So that was fun. That was fun. I liked it. So Jacob, I uh, I remember you saying beforehand that you had some uh, that you wanted to talk a little bit about a uh, uh, new tenth edition lore. Um yeah, so a tenth edition Warhammer forty k. We're getting the return of another Primarch, as well as the return of another. I guess that happened at the end of ninth edition, but the return of a demon Primarch in Angron. Oh yeah. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're up to prime marks, very controversial, of course. Well, always. Um, what are your thoughts? I'm very, I'm very happy. I, I mean, I, uh, the, the Warhammer YouTubers were getting me hyped up for ninth edition. Cause they were all like, yeah, everything's leading up to them bringing back like Lionel Johnson or another prime mark. It's like, oh boy, I'm so excited. They're going to announce ninth edition. There's going to be a new prime mark. And there wasn't one. So I was more than overjoyed to find out that Lionel and his Johnson are back. Yeah. Hell yeah. Famed English poet Lionel Johnson. Yes. And his receding hairline that his miniature has. Which goes <laughs> so hard. Uh on on the topic of Lionel Johnson, is Luther back? Or well, where is Luther right now? Because I know he's currently alive in the current setting, but I don't Luther know if they got broken him or out of out of Caliban, I think. 
Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I I think that the book, the Lionel Johnson book that they're making, is probably going to explain what happens with Luther. I think he's going to like reform the, um, the what do you muck the the like the true Dark Angels? I guess like the Fallen are going to come back to the uh, the Fallen that are like redeemable. I guess are going to are going to come mm-hmm. back to the the Dark Angels. I think that's what it's leading up to. Because the whole thing with Lionel Johnson coming back, from what they've explained, is he's just kind of like, man, this sucks. Like, my kids are killing each other because the Fallen and the Deathwing and everything. We just need to get rid of this. You know? Yeah, I'm sure they'll do something with Cypher. Is Cypher the... that one Dark Angel? Yeah. He, like, accompanied Gilliman for a little bit, and he's, like, really, like, edgy. Mm-hmm. The girly man. Yeah. Yeah, I... I th- Robot Gilliman. I think bringing back any Primark yes. leads to some really good, like, prime, like, storytelling opportunities. But I, I don't really think bringing Angron back... I mean, Angron is... He's angry and he Ang- kills shit. I'd- Angron has really good lore. Okay. Read, he, yeah, but in you terms of like, you know what? What you, I'm book clubbing. I'm adding it to the book club. We're gonna read the Angron Primark novel, and you're you have to join. You're legally uh, mandated. I, I like. I'm not saying he has bad. I'm just saying like right now, like Demon Primark Angron. Hmm. Yeah. I, I don't. Know, I just sense. like what like what like what like I don't like I don't know. He's just gonna show up and he's gonna kill shit. Like that's just kind of Angron right now. He's just. Yeah, but that's monster. kind of all three of the demon primarchs right now. Like, like Mortarion, angst at least. Yeah, but so does Angron. <laughs> Angron is like equally angsty, if not more angsty. Yes, he's a very, very angry young man. I mean, I, I, I was under the impression that he was so overtaken by his rage at this point that he wasn't even really like speaking in coherent sentences. Um, I think he, I think he still can. I don't know. Like, I don't mind it. I like Angron as a character, so I don't mind them bringing him back at all. You know, like, it's better, I guess it's better they bring back a Primark, even if it's Angron, than to, like, do nothing with them. But also, there is something to be said about the, um the godification of 40k i suppose people have been talking about it since eighth edition but with the introduction of primarchs and demon primarchs it's kind of becoming more of a uh a bit of a more of a like an age of sigmar setting if that makes sense mm-hmm. like the gods of the 40k universe for all intents and purposes of you know gilliman and now fucking um what's his nuts um the lion Lionel. they're both they're both back as um like characters which is cool don't get me wrong i like i like that they're back but you know a few editions ago before all the the primarchs came back 40k was just like dudes fighting dudes and now it's like oh the leader of the like the son of the emperor's fighting back chaos against their evil brothers more than it is like the grim dark fantasy that people kind of you know like came to warhammer for initially if that makes sense which i don't have a problem with don't get me wrong i like the idea of the primarchs being around i think it's cool um i think it's better that they've like furthered the lore of warhammer than if they like didn't yeah, it really fi- it really feels like ever since uh, eighth edition, we've been moving the plot along um, rather than having it just kind of mired in the muck. Um, for... Which is cool. Yes. Like I like that it's that it's happening because that's you know I like I like plot in the things that I enjoy. I know that's hard to believe. Yeah, but 
if they are going to br bring back any more Primarchs, I, I would like to see somebody that we, like, have, like, absolutely no, I, like, unfortunately, Lorgar, but, like, that would, it, like, like, because there's a bit of, like, oh, what's, what, what has he been up to this whole time? Because, uh, you know, the last time we saw him, he's, like, locked in his room with Corvus outside. Uh, but like bringing back like Vulcan and like explaining like where he's been like where he's been at or like uh, what's his face uh -huh. uh, Lehman or everybody's the, I guess the prime mark everybody forgets about because I always forget about him uh, Jagged's icon. Yeah, I mean, people. One of the main theories for tenth edition was bringing back Lehman. It was kind of fifty fifty on whether we were getting Lehman or uh, or Lionel Johnson. Lionel Johnson just happened to be the the primark that won out for the marketing purposes hmm. which i mean i'm not gonna say i have a preference between the between lionel johnson or lehman russ because i don't really give a fuck about either of their chapters but that's just because i but you like did name your you did name your car after one of them no, I named my car after the the battle tank. Actually, um, please, if you're gonna if you're gonna spread Jake lore, can you at least get it correct? Not it would be lame him. to name my car after a guy, but cool to name it after a tank. Yes, a really cool tank at that. It's yeah. a really cool tank. But yeah, I don't know. I don't really have an opinion on either of them, but. It's cool. I'm just worried that like it's gonna get like too um like battle of the titan gods like super cool hero leading giant army instead of like you know just fucking Warhammer. yeah the little guy the like the the the, the guard fighting like. Un unbeatable odds yada 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 mm -hmm. yeah I mean there's still room for that they churn out like dozens of books every year um, yeah. I'm sure it won't take up all of the publishing mm -hmm. it's just more so that it's spreading to the tabletop now is, is, the, is the big problem I think because like the, 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 the how it was before it was like there there was a lot of that in the tabletop or, or in the in the books, but in the, not the table in the books. But there was the um, there was the wall that is the fact that most of the stuff that had the demigods and all of that was just like the the black library, like it was it was the Horus Heresy books, and that's pretty much it. You know, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. But now there is not really a distinction anymore between old lore like like the lore of that and the lore of this i guess which again like i don't have a problem with it i like i like warhammer as it is i think warhammer as it is is a lot better off than it was 10 years ago or even five years ago for better and for worse um price hikes be damned my boy can grow I would like if they didn't make Warhammer more expensive and at least make it cheaper in the US because the fucking the difference in cost for for 40k in the UK and the US is 40%. Yeah, it's kind of insane. I did not know that. Yeah. They're like, "Oh, import costs makes it 40% more expensive to import." That's not true. It does not no, cost 40% of your profits to make the same amount of money in the U.S. as you would the U.K. Yeah, that would the, be uh, the good old business trick. Ah, I see that you haven't stopped buying it since I've raised the price, which means I'm not going to lower the price any any lower. Well, yeah, that's that's kind of how economics works. Unfortunately, if people will continue to buy it, then sadly, it's sadly that's probably the right move. Speaking of economics, mm -hmm. shout out uh, book club if you're. Uh, listening to this and you're doing the book club with us uh we're reading orconomics um and we're almost done and we'll be recording what it is next that week. book by the way i've never heard of it 
Um, I had never heard of it either until Kai recommended it, but it is basically a satire, like fantasy satire, where it's like a fantasy world, but they're in like late stage capitalism. So like their entire economy is based around like adventurers killing monsters and then people like investing in the monsters like loot hordes and then, you know, getting a return on their investment. And it's just about like the main, the main character is like a disgraced hero who gets like brought into like a, uh, like an ancient God's prophecy, but like a really crazy ancient God. So he's like, not really happy about it. And meanwhile, um, the adventuring business is making them lose a lot of money. Um, just because like the return to investment is lowering lately. And, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's pretty good. I'm enjoying it a lot. I think it could be better, but we'll get into that when we, you know, record the, uh, the book club episode. Have you, uh, heard about, uh, uh, the, the, the famous new novel, um, uh, popularized by one Bigolus Dickolus. Um, this is how you lose the time war. No, is it something we should add to the book club? I think you got Kai told me that he wanted to read it, but uh, there's a book called This Is How You Lose the Time War, which shot up to the Amazon uh, number number one because a Trigun fan account called Bigolus Dickolus Wolfwood uh, told I people to go read it. I did hear about the Bigolus Dickolus thing, but I didn't know anything about the book. Uh, yeah, it, cool. it, it 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 got to the point where the tweet was posted on the book for the Italian printing, and at the Nebula Awards they referenced him. Uh, and there was also an article uh, thanking Bigolus Dickolus for getting us a, a new Trigun reprinting in America. Really, that's awesome. Yeah, and it's like the good, like 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 the Berserk Deluxe editions, like that kind of like reprint. Oh, cool. That's cool. I Good think Bigolus Dickolus should should listen to So You Think You Can Fan It and give us a shout out. I hope I hope one day we have as much influence as Bigolus Dickolus on We can only dream. The the publishing of uh of anime and stuff. We can only manga. dream. We we need to get as influential as Bigolus Dickolus, Matt, so we can get official epo prints in the u.s impossible that'll never happen we'll have to go and box george morikawa ourselves in order to get them i will i will give george morikawa a big fat wet smooch okay and then he will have no choice probably the only way to get him to notice us is if we grab his cock while he's in the shower yes much like hajime no epo's plot which is just about men grabbing each other's penises sergio guess how many Fully drawn scenes there are of naked men grabbing each other's dick and balls in the shower. There are in Epo. Do you Just have take a the number? You've, you've told you've told me that there's a lot of them. Just take a guess. Just take a guess. Thirty. Do you have the number? It's over thirty. It's it's over thirty. <laughs> and like Probably almost even count. Almost I'm honest. I'm I'm dead ass when I say it's probably. It's I have one hundred and fifty plus. You know, it's not 150 plus for specifically in the shower grabbing each other's dick and balls. But if you if you want to count the number of full butt ass naked men you see in Epo, it's well in the hundreds. Well in the hundreds. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think there is a penis once every 10 chapters. That's if we're not counting fights it's more like once every five. And if we're counting, well, I am counting fights. That's why I said once every ten and not. All right, all right, okay. You know, you know what we do have control over. What we do have the clout and the influence to do is to uh, finish the smoke crack. Oh, that's what I was thinking too. Mm. Okay, all right. No, definitely. Uh, be be looking at be looking forward to uh the next chapter. Tiernid delivery experts coming to a podcast uh platform near you as well as and, check us out at Colossal Con. 
And the uh, the book club, I mean. Yeah, and a- any other episodes besides All Guards and Party, please. There's 300 yeah, more of them. It. But join our book club. And we'll do a book... If we get uh, a non-Warhammer episode to 200 views, we will change the book club schedule and make the next book a Warhammer book. I have that power. Oh, no. Don't let him have that power. As yeah, someone on. who is in charge, go listen to um. What do you recommend? What do we want them to get to two hundred views? If you uh, if you're listening to All Guardsmen Party, uh, book club episodes. Obviously, you should watch uh, uh, the very first episode, Gurren Jesus. If you if you want to quickly get an episode to two hundred, yeah, it's, I mean that's a, that's the easy one. But like, we got to give them like a challenge, like. Uh, an episode that doesn't have a lot of views that could get... Ooh, listen to our Billeth collab. Our SCP Billeth collab. Yes. Get that to 200 views, and we will do... We will we will reward you like children and ice cream. Uh, the Emotional um, Entropy episode as well. Fallout yeah. Equestria. Fallout Equestria. Yeah, they're, they're both about 10% of... Or, yeah, 10% of the way there already. So you, I believe in you guys. Do it for us. Do it for the motherland. And if you like oh, that Warhammer, episode... Wait, Warhammer 50,000 or the Warhammer episode. But go check that episode out. It's a pretty good old classic yeah. episode of ours. Yes. But yeah, I All got right. nothing else to add. So, uh... We love you. Yeah. We love you. We tolerate you, at least. We... Depends on the day. It depends on the day, right? I don't love them this time. I'm tired. That's fucked up, Matt. I'm tired.